if we had a million people <laughs> listening, it wouldn't matter what the title. It would matter what the title is. Yeah. It would matter. Because if we changed it, then people would be confused. But if we have a really good title, that's how we get a million listeners. Right. We don't have that right now. <laughs> we're not going to worry about it. As we're recording is not the time to change the name of the podcast. I'm not asking if we change it. I just don't like the title. I don't either. But we'll figure it out. I'm Anthony Brosh. And I'm Caleb Persick. And welcome to Bottom of the Bin, a podcast where two unqualified people with opinions share those opinions on bad films they watched. And they think their opinions are more valid than other people's opinions. Oh, yeah. Because we have a very high uh, opinion of ourselves, but somehow still very low opinion of ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very low self-esteem, but also much pride. Most <laughs> pride, you know? Yeah. Massive, massive <laughs> pride. We're recording in my closet. We can look at some of my clothes. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I'm, I got a great taste There's of clothes, There's lots of patterns I? and stripes. I like uh, patterns. Stripes. Colors. Goes well with my personality, mm-hmm. I think. Agreed. Anyway, so what did we watch this week? This Caleb? week we watched the Nicolas Cage film released in 2011, Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. Caleb so graciously chose that film for us last week, yes. and we did watch it this week. I, you, you said that a little accusatorily. You know why? But you were the one that wanted to watch this, and that's why I picked it. <sighs> Man, listen, this is what happened. I. <sighs> Nicolas Cage is just my hero in life. Like, everything that I do, I wish... I aspire to be only Nicolas Cage. I agree. Including being married for, like, 24 hours at one point. That... Man, that guy's just so awesome. But here's the thing. I... I don't see enough of him. Mm -hmm. I watch National Treasure about once a week just to, like, keep up, but that's not enough, you know? So, we actually got in two Nicolas Cage movies this week. We got... Mandy, mm-hmm. which we did two days ago, and then we watched Season of the Witch. And let me tell you, this movie just does not take advantage of the Nicolas Cage we know and love. I agree. There is a way to use Nicolas Cage and to just drain his body of everything you want, and then there's the way Season of the Witch did it. Right. But which we'll get to that. We will. So we've decided we're going to structure this podcast a little more than we did last week. Yeah. We decided that some structure like whatsoever is better than none, none at all, at all. Yeah. yeah absolutely so so here's what we're gonna do we're, we're each we've each done again what we did last week we've written out what we perceive to be the plot of this film mm-hmm. and so we're gonna we haven't read each other's synopsis at this point that's right we're just gonna hear for the first time what we took away from this film we, we've not discussed it we've not sat down and been like is this what happened we're, we're just gonna we're just gonna say what we think happened in this film um, and we're not going to interrupt each other. We're just going to listen. And then we're going to jump into talking about the plot. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about the technical things in this film. That's the cinematography, oh, yes. the audio, the music, we the acting. We went to film school. That's yes. So we know some of those yeah. things. We know a lot more of than things. More than other people, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and then we'll wrap things up at the end. And hopefully this won't be this movie. This this movie might be shorter than our podcast episode about the movie. But we'll see. And we're also going to work really hard to... Not. When you say something, I will add on to that. Right, yeah. So we're listening to each other. It's like a conversation yeah. instead of us screaming our uh, complaints. Yeah, it's the yes and of uh, of uh, Scientology. We're no, learning how to podcast on the go. Isn't it's, that impressive? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah Other people it. like try to get it figured out and then do it. Those people are dumb. <clears throat> we're also going to try and say like filler words as little as possible. In that sentence, you said like. <laughs> We're going to like not say like. It's almost like I was being ironic. It's almost like that's true. Yeah. Like, 
like you know yeah yeah anyway so Caleb's gonna start us off here yeah I'm gonna his I'm gonna read my synopsis of this film uh it's like 500 words how many is yours I actually didn't look oh dude my app's updating well while I'm your app's updating I'll I let can you read know my how many synopsis. words it is when we get there alright so this is what I've written down and I'm just gonna read it so it's not very well written I wrote it less than 10 minutes ago Opening scene that doesn't matter. There's like a witch and some... It's dumb. Okay, two crusaders, Nick Cage and Ron Perlman, are crusading. They fight lots of poorly rendered CGI battles and kill hundreds of dudes. But then, one battle, Nick Cage is charging into battle and kills a person who turns out to be a woman. Oh my gosh. He's horrified and looks around to see bodies of women and children everywhere. He confronts the leader of his like army group thing and then decides to desert with Ron Perlman. They wander around for a while, and they find a house with some dead people in it. It's the Black Plague. Oh, my gosh. And the Black Plague, for some reason, is very very cinematic in a way. Whatever. All right. Then they... Whatever. Okay, then they go to a town, right, that also has the plague. And they talk to some dude, and he's like, yeah, it's the plague. It's a new thing. And he's like, wow, we've been crusading. I mean, we, yeah, we didn't know about this. Then they're like, oh, you're crusaders? Because they see one of their swords. And they arrest them because they're deserters. Then they bring him to Christopher Lee, who's in this movie, and he says, uh, take this witch we got to this place where there's, like, a book that fucks up witches, and they're like, we don't want to do that, but then they decide to do it because reasons. They are joined by a knight with a sword, who is a knight, a weasel-looking man, who is a guide, and a priest, who is a priest. They set off with a wagon in which is a witch. Shortly after leaving, an altar boy comes up, and he's like, I want to join you. And they're like, no, and then they're like, yes, and then they go on. The next half hour of this movie is Nicolas Cage wondering if the witch is a witch and the priest sweatily trying to convince him that she is because reasons. Things happen, and the witch escapes the cage. They chase after her, and they end up in this little village, and oh no, the altar boy kills the knight who's like a knight. Everyone agrees, though, that it's the witch's fault <laughs> that the altar boy killed the knight with his sword. They move on. They go to a bridge. Oh, no, there's tension because it's a shitty old bridge. Nothing happens of lasting importance. Then wolves come. Oh, my gosh, wolves. And they fight the wolves. But the wolves kill their guide, who is a guide. But don't worry. It doesn't matter that their guide's dead. They still know how to get there somehow. <clears throat> Sorry. Nick Cage finally gets to act in this climactic scene where he wants to kill the witch because he's like, you know what? Enough people have died because of this witch. And the priest is like, no, because reasons. They have this great fight, and Nick Cage says, A benevolent god would not ask such things of men! <laughs> it is but by... it was more like, A benevolent god would not ask such things of men! Yeah, we had to rewind it to listen to it, but it is by far the best, line, the in best the line in the movie. Anyway, where was I? They argue, and they're like fighting, and then Ron Perlman's like, Hey guys, it's the place we're going is literally over there, and they can see it. And they're like, oh. Okay, and then they go there. So they go to this place, but all the monks that are supposed to be there have, like, a magic book that fucks up witches. They're all dead from the plague. But are they dead in beds because they got sick? No, they're just dead sitting where they were writing books and stuff. <laughs> all right. All the, they're all dead. Then they find the book that fucks up witches. And then the priest is like, I guess I'll have to fuck up the witch with this book. So they start reading the book, and then the, the witch turns out to be a demon. And she, like, melts the cage and, like, blah, all this stuff happens. And then she leaves. And then they're like, oh my gosh, the demon, who we thought was a witch, but it's actually a demon, wanted to come here, and we brought him slash her slash it here. 
demon needed them to guide them. Anyway, so they're there. And then what happens? Let me tell you what happens if I can find where I was when I was reading. The demon comes back. The demon possesses all of the dead monks, and they're like zombie monks, and they'll have to fight the monks, and they're like, ah, and they kill them. But in the process, oh no, priest who is priest dies, Perlman dies, and Nick Cage has to hold the demon down while Ultra Boy reads magic words from book. Then Nick Cage dies from his injuries, and the girl who was being possessed by the witch, who was possessed by a demon, is sitting there desnudo, and she and the boy walk off, and she does some horrible voiceover where she says, I know that the plague was a demon thing. And that's the end of the film. (laughs) So, honestly, there's a few things in there that I just did not remember at all. Like, the first time that they came across that farm, and, like, the farm had the plague, and that was the first time we saw the plague. That was a filler scene. Why was that there? I don't know. What does it tell them? It tells them there's a plague. And then they go to the town, and that tells them there's a plague. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. So this is this is what I wrote. I'm just going to read it. Nick Cage and Ron Perlman are crusaders for some reason. They joined because they thought it would be funny to atone. I think that's why, right? That's why. Ron and Nick still eat and drink and bang women while on their crusade. So there's no motivation for them to be crusading. And we'll get to that. Nick and Ron are incredible warriors, apparently, challenging each other to a bet. Most kills gets free ale on the other. The two crusaders go on crusading and killing countless without flinching until Nick turns around and with a single thrust of his sword cuts down a young woman and he's completely broken as a man because he's sexist and he values the life of women more than he values the life of men he confronts his commander in an outrage and he and Ron leave the battlefield on principle choosing to become deserters who no longer serve the church not God, just the church. They specify that like seven times. Okay, we're cool with God. We're it's cool with God. It's like. just the church. During their aimless travel, they come across a deathly looking city, and Nick insists on going through and not around, even though Ron, in his American accent, says several times that they should go around. It turns out that the city is ridden with a plague. Nick and Ron are almost immediately recognized and arrested, and I didn't remember why they were arrested, but it makes sense that they were arrested because they were deserters but like how would that city know that they were deserters and how would they know that they were crusaders it was their sword it was he had a sword that's right and a little boy saw the sword and I guess that like auto makes them deserters anyway whatever um so they're arrested the priest offers them their freedom in exchange for a guidance on a journey to bring this witch somewhere so the priest believes that this witch is under their possession which is under oh the witch is under their possession they possess the witch but yes. the witch is also possessed so they have the witch she's in a cage and they believe that she is causing the plague and they need to bring her to this church that's six days away mm-hmm. to destroy her properly for some reason they could only destroy her at the church you're forgetting I've said this many times because that place has a book that fucks up witches right it's the book right 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 so, oh man. That's a better title also, for this movie, The Books of Fucks Up Witches. <laughs> also, Christopher Lee has the plague, but that's literally the only thing that he does in this whole movie. Yeah, Christopher Lee got a fat paycheck to lie in bed with some bad makeup. He literally just had the plague. That was it. Damn. There was no other purpose. He was just Christopher Remember this guy from Lord of the Rings? Anyway. This movie's like Lord of the Rings, right? They recruit a Sorry. scoundrel who's just a scoundrel, yeah. as you said several times. 
to be their guide and an old man knight chooses to be their muscle because he feels the the nobility to do so or something he's just a nice man he's that's a his nice character guy. yeah he's a nice guy but like he's he's like a noble guy that's his thing you know knight. so t- like they go they start their journey and like 10 feet into their journey they figure out that walmart timothy chalmay is following them and he wants to be a knight and I think he was like an altar boy or something, and he thinks that somehow traveling with them will give him knighthood or something. I don't know. They travel and they come across obstacles like, like bridges and wolves and darkness and fog and Ron speaking in his American accent. And then sometimes the witch is witchy, and sometimes she hits on Nick Cage, who is not interested. But she's, he, Nick Cage is not just not interested in the witch. He's also not interested in this movie. <laughs> so, man. Old Man Knight dies because Timothy Chalamet is a dumbass. And then the scoundrel dies because nobody likes him. And then Ron just makes more jokes in an American accent. And none of them are funny. But I just I still love Ron. They arrive at the church. And all the priests are, are supposed to be dead. And, but they're infected and they're not dead but that doesn't happen yet then the priest tries to read from a magic book by himself to defeat the witch the book that fucks up witches then the witch turns out not to be a witch but just a demon so he has to go to a different chapter that fucks up demons <laughs> yeah. but then like before he gets there she like flies around and like people get attacked or whatever and she apparently wanted to go to the church but she couldn't get there without them for some reason, even though she has wings. <laughs> and they and said multiple times they where they were multiple going. Multiple times where they were going, and also it's general knowledge where this abbey is apparently, um, because they didn't need the guide to get there. So just people know where it is. Uh, anyway, um, so then the dead infected priests become zombies, and they try to kill everybody, but they they like die die of bad visual effects. Then Ron dies, and he was my favorite person in the movie. Not my favorite character, just my favorite person because he didn't have a character. He yeah, was he just had the Ron, worst character. He was just Ron Perlman. He, you could take him out of the movie. Like, remember, I mentioned him only twice because very little often. Like, he doesn't. He is the best part of the movie, though. Yeah, not as an actor and not as a character, just as Ron Perlman. I agree. Anyway, so then they're like fighting demons. Just like one demon, but like the priests zombie are monks. also yeah zombie monks. Um, the priest dies because he's trying to read the witch to death, but it's not a witch; it's a demon. Yeah. And then, um, then Ron dies, and then Nick Cage like cuddles with the demon while Timothy Chalamet reads the book that fucks up witches, and then cuddling with demons is a bad idea so Nick dies <laughs> and then Timothy is just left by himself with naked w- witch demon but she's not a witch demon she's anymore demon witchless woman yeah demonless witchless woman yes she's just a woman now and she's naked to like really really drive home the fact that she's a woman and not a demon or a witch um, again, because the demons and witches are never naked. Yeah, exactly. And they're never attractive. Right, of course. They're usually like greasy yeah. hairs in their yeah. eyes. Yeah. But so she was naked and Tim falls in love with her immediately because he's an altar boy. Um, and then Nick Cage dies, killing the demon maybe. And then Tim and the witch bury the non-witch, bury the bodies. And the witch says things. Yeah. And that's the movie. Yeah. Was it like 
what you thought it was also i mean (laughs) i agree you made it sound a little like it was hard to understand and this movie was painfully easy to understand and then it was just dumb that's how i feel i think i was like expecting not to be treated like a dumbass watching this movie which was just too much of me to expect so i I was like i was like oh i'm trying to understand something here but the movie was like there's nothing to understand and i was like but there is you're just trying to trick me and the movie was like nope there's there's nothing if they wanted you to understand something they would just say it to you right so that brings us to our first segment talking about the plot yeah which there is a plot the problem with this movie is the opposite problem of six underground and that six underground's plot is just so plotty that you're sitting there and I'm like, what? Why? Yeah. But then it doesn't make sense. This one is just painfully boring plot. There's nothing happening. The whole Go movie. from point A to point B with a witch, who may not be a witch, and who's also <gasps> Her Royal Majesty from the Crown. Right. So, like, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the plot of the movie, man. There's not a whole lot going on here. It's just, I was very bored throughout the most of the movie. I got all of that plot. I was on my phone a little bit in this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was. Too. I was trying to do some. I was trying to like understand like how Nick Cage ended up on this movie and how Ron Perl like what other movies Ron Perlman's in because I just want to see more of that guy. No, again, not as an actor. I just like him as a person. You you haven't seen the Hellboy movies, so that's probably yeah, your first order we of business. Should definitely watch the Hellboy. Movies. Not for this though. Not for this because the Hellboy movies are apparently good, and we love Guelmo. Can you just say his name right, please? Guillermo. 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 You're offensive. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have so much trouble pronouncing his name. I love him so much, though. Uh, we're anyway, wandering away from we're this talking movie because it's a boring movie. Right, yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. Movies don't always need to have, like, a theme. Like, they don't always need to be saying something and have a message. Mm-hmm. But they, like, for a plot to, like, have... there, There has to be, like, something being said... At least just, like, a little thing. Even if it's, like, really simple and dumb. Because that's where the character's motivation comes from. And the characters aren't motivated to do anything in this movie. So you're just kind of, like, following them. and But none, none of what they're doing or saying is interesting. So it's just boring. Yeah. This, it, it, like, l- l- let, me, let me make that more clear. So, like, you, like, the thing with the Crusades. So, like, if they were crusaders for a, a genuine reason, the rest of the movie would have had better motivation. But, like, they're just crusaders because they like killing people. Because they're Americans. I get, yeah, because they're Americans. They both had American accents this whole movie. They, they didn't even try. I mean, it, it might have been worse if they tried. We'd probably make fun of their accents if That's they tried. Yeah. But at least everyone would have the same accent-ish. Right, yeah, I guess. There was sometimes some English stuff, but, like, vaguely European accents. But anyway, so, like, what, what I'm saying is, like, it's not like Nick Cage and Ron Perlman had, like, some deep emotional reason to be in the crusade. Like, they were, like, they really did genuinely want to atone for all the bad things that they had done in their lives. And they were, like, trying to put their skills to good use to serve God. But then they realized that, like, this war is terrible. And they actually, like, if there was actually value of human life shown in any way other than this just random-ass woman... See, that brings me to my problem is that every there's just dumb plot decisions. So they're upset. Um, like Nick Cage has his whole realization when he accidentally kills one woman. And so that implies that up to now, he has not killed a single woman in the Crusades. Right. 
Which, like... And two minutes before he kills that woman, their leader says, leave no one alive. And he doesn't go like, oh, that's a new order. Didn't think we were going to kill everybody this time. We only right. killed the men the last seven battles. But no, it all of a sudden the movie's like, now we care about human life because one woman, and then he sees a dead person on the ground, and then he says, I'm leaving. And then Ron Perlman says, I just do what you do, Nick Cage, because that's my character. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. That's I guess that's my, my point is just that, like, there's no reason for Nick Cage or Ron Perlman to be doing what they're doing, and that makes it really like boring to follow them. Like, there's no tension. There's nothing like there's nothing driving these characters. So just like them going on, even like even further in the plot when they just like end up going on this journey to like deliver the witch, it's kind of like why are they doing this? And you don't know why because none of what they've done has had a reason. Apparently. It's because they were blackmailing doing it because they're bad guys. But the thing is, they're arrested in this random town with one night. There's one night in this town, right? Yeah. And they arrest them because they're deserters. But they don't get arrested when they desert. Right. They just literally they just walk, walk away. The and their army man says, oh, you can't leave. And they say, what are you going to do about it? And he's like, I could arrest you, but I don't for reasons. You didn't even, like, the, I, guess that's, I guess that's the thing. Like, it's just... The movie, like, we had this issue with Six Underground, right? It's just, like, a movie's supposed to kind of tell you what are the rules of this movie in the first 10 or 15 minutes. They're supposed to tell you, like, how realistic is this? Like, what kind of things are should you expect or not expect from the plot or the mm-hmm. characters? And this movie doesn't really do that. So, it, but it does it in the opposite way that Six Underground, like you were saying earlier, like, Six Underground had so many rules that, like, conflicted each other and didn't make any sense. This movie just kind of didn't have those. It never laid down any precedent. It kind of was just, like, things happen because we need, like, we want, like, the writer just, I guess, stream of consciousness was like, I guess this is the next thing that I can think of. There's not really a cohesive movement or reason for the characters to be doing what they're doing. And so you don't really care even before anything gets even kind of interesting. Like, at the end, I guess, like, the plot is a little bit thickened at the end, but you don't care by the time you get there because this whole time nothing has made any sense or had any reason to it. Yeah, it's it's just all plot and no... There's no theme. There's no... There's no... The, the one thing I think they're trying to imply, so the witch, who may not be a witch, who is also Her Royal Majesty... The Queen Elizabeth is... Anyway, she... She makes all... She, like, implies that the priest who is priest, who's on the journey with them, is abusing her. But... The, oh, yeah. And so... And you look at his weaselly face, and obviously they want him to... Us to think that he's not a great person either, the priest. Right? Would you agree? Yeah, I... See that's that's where it's confusing. They like they say some things that like sound like motivation, but they don't. They only like say them in passing, like once or twice. And they, there's there's just words. There's no actions to back them. The issue is with that. We're meant we're meant to not like the priest because he's kind of like gross and sweaty, and, and he's always cut, like Ooh. his haircut is stupid. And he's always like oh yeah. And then, but the thing is. Her royal majesty sometimes is possessed and sometimes not. And you can usually right. tell because her hair is in front of her eyes when she's, like, demonic. Right, right, right. And But then we're confused. Is he sexually molesting this demon? Because that seems like a bad idea. Right. Either way, you cut it. 
And is she not? Is, is she, as a demon, just making it up? That is just confusing. Right. And then at the end, they don't really do much about it. The priest turns out to be right the whole time that they're like, this is real bad news. I mean, you go here. Like, the priest was right. But it doesn't, like, you don't really care that the priest was right. You know what I mean? Because, like, it's, like, I can see how with the character of the witch, there was things that she... You mean Her Royal Majesty? Right, Her Royal Majesty, the queen. Um, Like, there were times that she was witchy and times that she was not witchy. And I can see how that may have been thought of as a way to like make the audience not sure what she is and so because we're sp- yeah we're supposed to be with nick cage and nick cage halfway he kind of is like i don't know if she's really a witch i hope she gets a fair trial but she but she does things that are supernatural yeah from the very beginning so that tells you right away that she's at least not just human and i you know you don't really know what that means but like i said it doesn't matter because you don't care about the characters at all like there's no there's, you're not invested in what's happening. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any other problems with the plot? Man, I'm, I don't care. That's the thing. Like, I have lots of problems with the plot, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, here's the t- let's just have a takeaway. I think that's a, I think that's a good structural thing for this mm-hmm. podcast. Like, I, I think the reason that we're doing this, that we wanted to do this, was because we like watching good movies mm-hmm. like that's part of and I, I think being able to being like interested in being a part of movies and like making movies ourselves and we we like to write often so I think what what the actual reason for us doing these kind of things like watching and critiquing films at all is so that we can learn something from them here's what I think I've learned from the plot of this movie characters need motivation and for me anyway when I'm writing that motivation comes from whatever like the central message of a film is and like I said a movie doesn't always need to have a central message but like oftentimes when you when you're emotionally engaged by a movie it's because that movie has made a decision about what it's trying to say and you feel one way or the other disagree agree you feel sad or happy or angry about whatever the movie is saying and this movie didn't make any choices about saying anything and so it's kind of it just feels very benign. Like the characters are, the characters are they conflict themselves on their on their morals and their reasons. So the characters seem hollow. There's not there's not there's no consistency in the characters, and therefore mm-hmm. there's no consistency in like their decisions. And then by the end of the movie, you just don't really care about anything, you know. What I thought they were trying to get at was a little bit of like church criticism in this. Yeah, which would make sense because I, it's. I, a, the Crusades are involved, right? And, and I would have loved that. Who's not gonna? Who's not gonna like endorse the Crusades? Am I right? Mm-hmm. But then they get to the end, and the church was essentially right about the whole plot of this movie. Yeah. So that criticism fell apart, and I was left confused what they're trying to say, which is because of what you're saying. It wasn't trying to say anything, right? Yes. So, like maybe they were trying to say something about the church, but like you can't. They never. If they were trying to say something. There was never a decision about what it was trying to say. It, it was being, it was, I guess, on the fence about it. If you really, really dig down and you're really looking for a message, I guess the message is the criticism of the church. But like you said, the movie at the end chooses that the church is right. So so there isn't a choice made. The, there's no opinion 
about the church from this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that if they would have stuck with it, I probably, I don't know if it would have made it a completely amazing movie, but like, I, I like, I like critiques of the church. I think it's interesting when there's like religious undertones in films one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I probably would have liked this movie a lot more if it leaned into that. But like the crusades and the church kind of felt just like, I guess like, and like it's just some backdrop, iconography really. yeah. to like, add to maybe the appeal of the movie because like crusades are more interesting than just regular medieval knights maybe i don't know but you know even still like (laughs) this movie is even called season of the witch and there's no witches in it yeah so like she's not a witch she's a demon yeah there's just no through line in this movie there's no there's nothing like holding this movie together there's no consistent vision or direction i found it so the whole idea of this movie is that the plague was a demon's fault. Right. So it's not science. This movie is anti-science. Oh, you know, I take it all back. This movie is amazing. This, you know, movie, this movie is, is amazing. Bomb. Wow. Holy, this is a holy climate change denier dreamboat of a film. Oh, gosh. Okay. Maybe that's why it just didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't say anything. And every time it tried to say something, it didn't try that didn't make sense. That made perfect sense. You know I mean. It made it made sense for the context of this movie. What what's going on? It's just it says blue and the mic's not blue and that bothers me. I think blue is the brand of mic. We stole this microphone from our roommate because I have a microphone, but it's at it's at my parents' house in in uh, North Carolina and we're not, we're, we're not in, allowed to move very much these days. Yeah, we're kind of stuck and we might as well be in this closet at all times. I agree. It's a lot less hot today though. Yeah. Right, what's we're gonna move on. From we're gonna the move plot. on from the plot. Yeah, we're trying to structure our podcast more. Yeah. So now we're gonna talk about the technical things that happened in this movie. That's cinematography, audio design, music, visual effects. What visual effects? <laughs> there was right, a, right off the bat. I think we can also throw in like technical acting and stuff too. I mean, usually I would. Bunch what that in with like, the plot, like choreography, like fight choreography. Yeah, that and just like stunts. No, not even stunts. Swords. I just mean like we can talk more specifically. I think here about like performances. Yeah, those are technical things. Sort of. Actors are just in this machines. movie. I feel like the. I feel like. Well, uh, let's just get the performances out of the so, way. So now. there was. No I know what you're trying to say. This movie approaches performances as the technical aspect. Right, yes, yeah, that's, wow, wonderful. This Perfect. is why you're the host of this podcast. So right off the bat, though, uh, the first, um, well, there's the first opening sequence that doesn't matter with witches and things. Like, then it gets to Nick Cage and Perlman with ill-fitting helmets fighting CGI battles. And these battles are horribly rendered. And they're just yeah, so, man. like, weirdly, the weird gloss kind of thing, and there's no texture. And then I hate CGI dust. When they're throwing dust and like fog in After Effects, it just man. Do you know how much a bag of flour costs, <laughs> or just like a bag of sand or cement or something? Man, just, this movie can't have been that low budget. You you can do it well though in post, but they don't do it well. Just in this cut movie. Christopher Lee and get all the real dust you want. It's true. They spent too much money on Christopher Lee's twenty-seven seconds on screen. Seriously, the thing. Yeah, that's off the bat. I'm just gonna say CGI dust is my biggest issue. What's your next? Which what do you gotta say? Oh man, the uh, 
so there was this weird thing with the, like the monk zombies at the end. Yeah. When they died, they had this weird like water effect. Yeah, there was like it this weird. So bad. It was supposed man. to signify like demonhood entering their mouths or then exiting when they die. I guess so. And it was just like a blurb on the screen. Yeah, it was so weird. It, it was like. Ugh. This movie is sandwiched in ba- like the opening sequence is terrible, and then the ending sequence and the whole demon design. Yeah, I don't man. even know if we should talk oh. about that, but it's it's just like it's literally just like a gargoyle design, like where it just kind of looks like a some kind of like goblin with wings. And he's just poop brown. Right. Yeah. But he's also just like so horribly rendered. Just like he looks. Not only is the quality bad, but even there's like the design and the texture. It's all just like so low. It's, yeah, it's grade, really generic you know? too. And Not it, really interesting. It doesn't like match the like all of the Black Plague makeup was practical, and I personally like I just want I want you to decide which way are we going. Is this going to be practical? Is this going to be digital? Like, yeah. I mean, not that the makeup was even that good. And I just I'm not convinced that's how the Black Plague looks. But, like, I don't know. Really. Yeah, and I, I think that even goes back to what we were saying before. There's just, like, the movie didn't tell us... The movie never said, like, okay, is this going to be realistic or is it not going to be realistic? Because they were using, like, the they were using real dates and everything with the crusade and real yeah. city names. But then, like, now we're seeing the Black Plague and it's this weird, bulbous, like, rotted flesh thing. And I'm not 100% sure what Black Plague looked like. But and people just die where they're sitting. That's... <laughs> oh, so stupid, dude. Oh, I hate that. Um, let's talk about, oh, actually, I take it back. I was really bothered by the zombies, the zombie death effect that happened. But I think my, like the biggest thing that bothered me about this movie. So they shot in what? I think Austria. Austria? I looked up, it said Austria and then Hungary, but I don't know what parts were where. Those are gorgeous locations. Like there's so much to look at there and they do not take advantage of that location whatsoever. So much of this movie is spent like in a foggy forest you can't see anything a dog like a foggy forest that you can get anywhere a digitally or, foggy forest and a foggy forest add. that you could literally make on a sound stage it's yeah. oh man don't waste Just, oh, such a waste every man. once in a while you get this one shot and you're like oh it's actually cool where we are I wish you shot it better though so yeah. I can look at it a little bit but even oh man even when they were shooting cool locations, like they had sick mountains and there was like waterfalls occasionally, but those shots were these like big, like terribly shot drone things where like the drone is like making a big like moon shaped motion around like the cast, but they're like just walking and it's like, oh man, you guys had so much opportunity to shoot like just gorgeous scenery. At least this movie would have been like set on the backdrop. There's actually a point in time where they they did shoot in like a practical location and it looked like the background looked great and they were like panning down to the cast from the background and for the entire shot we were just talking about how beautiful the background was we didn't give a fuck about what the cast was doing and what they were saying I, yeah I think that shows what was wrong with the movie when you're obsessed with like oh look at the it's like, look, look at, at the snow scenery mountains Dude, that's nice and those sick forests like, damn man. yeah and then Nick Cage is just like and Ron Perlman is like ha 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 and oh, man nobody gives a shit right um yeah, it's, I mean, from from a camera's perspective, I I don't think there was. It was kind of like the plot. There was no motivation for anything that happened. There was a lot of camera motion that just didn't need to be there, 
it was just yeah. like this is a cool shot if we like move from here to here but it just was more distracting and it was doing it for its own sake and I just hate when the camera movements like that like if the camera if the camera needs to move and has like a reason to move by all means move that camera but like otherwise I just I need to see some tripods dude I need to see that camera still as hell. I want the I want the things happening on the screen to be moving, not the screen itself. You know. I mean, that's also a matter of taste, I guess. I but. agree, but it just wasn't it visually. It wasn't visually interesting either. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. I mean, along with that as well, like there's definitely exceptions to this, but like I I always feel that like if you're doing something medieval or period. Like, it's way easier to get into that place if the camera is static. Just because of, like, there's a weird there's a weird brain thing, at least for me, oh, where, like, there's no way that, that we would be seeing anything from, you know, 200 feet in the air looking down on the cast. Like, there's no way that would have been shot, obviously, in, like, a period piece. That, that is a modern... That's a very modern shot, you know yeah. what I mean? So it just makes... I don't know. For me, it's... This is a small complaint, and there's definitely exceptions, like I said, but I like it more when period stuff or medieval stuff just, like... The shooting style reflects the time period. The shooting style reflects period. the time period a little bit, or at least, like, makes a, makes a conscious attempt to do so. Yeah. So there's not, like, sweeping drone shots. There's a lot more, like, we're close, and we're, you know, like... I like I like when characters are in close proximity. I like when the camera feels claustrophobic, and when the characters are in big open vistas. I like when the camera reflects that. This camera didn't really do a lot of that. It didn't ask those questions of the plot or the story. It just was kind of doing things for its own sake, and I I, I think it took away from a lot of the movie. You know, what do you think? I'm not as a uh, qualified to judge cinematography, but I mean, I just thought it was boring and uninteresting. Uh, you you definitely can see more of that than I can, but but the next thing we're gonna talk about, I think we should talk about, is just music and sound design. <laughs> Listen, holy when what when when there when something's moving across the screen, and then it speeds up like there's slow mo and then there's no slow mo. And then there's like a like whooshing sound. I hate that. I also hate when the camera moves really quickly and then oh, there's a sound the, effect along with it. Like it's like everybody pay attention to the camera right now. What? No. That's <laughs> Oh my god. Don't do that. Just do the things. Uh, we we watched it in 5.1. Yeah. Could realized. you tell? I mean, no, no. I I realized shit? halfway through the movie I was like, I haven't heard anything from the speaker behind me. Maybe that I didn't wasn't noticing it, but it was kind of it just wasn't interesting and then the music it's just oh it's just it's the most generic it's cut and like, pasted music yeah literally oh, there's man. like this is emotional scene they googled emotional music slap that over that oh tense scene slap tense music it's just blah it was just like the most generic string orchestra ensemble you could possibly think of it's like it's that like oh man it's like that that marvel movie just like when things are tense, the the strings are going, and then the hordes are going, and then like when it's chill, it's like really quiet and shit, and everyone thinks ooh, ooh, and just like oh man, the music just didn't add anything to this movie. It was it was just there, you know. It was so it was so dead. It was so benign. There's nothing happening. And that's Ugh. another pet peeve of mine. There's obviously exceptions to this, but when the music just tells you what's going on in the scene. 
Yeah, man. It's what are you there oh. for? I have eyes, bro. You gotta emphasize what's going on, Seriously, or maybe man. contrast a little bit. Do something interesting. But when it's like this is a tense scene, so there's tense music. That's just so boring to listen to. I mean, why am I? Why are you even there? Yeah, I agree. There was a point where, like, it was. I was towards the end. It was like the movie was kind of getting towards its climax, and something intense was happening. And man, just like the music was just like dramatic things <laughs> happening. And like, it's just so stupid. Like, like you're listening to it, and you're like consciously thinking to yourself. Wow, this music is is dramatic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not what you're supposed to be thinking when you're listening to the music. And anyway, that's all I have to say about the technical stuff. The CGI was bad all around. Yeah, it was just bad. Oh, there's just, just don't just don't frame your frame with CGI smoke and fog and stuff. There was literally like a just couple of shots that just like just at the fr- at the complete foreground, like the most foreground you could get. There was just like a vignette of fog around the corners of the screen. It was like, what? What? <laughs> anyway. Pardon? So, costume design was okay. I guess. I mean, it was I mean, pretty basic stuff. I mean, I'm not a historian, but I mean, it looked fine. The priest haircut is stupid. I don't care if but that's it's just historically accurate. Priest haircuts are stupid, <laughs> dude. He also got stabbed through the hand, and he was like, oh, shoot, guess I gotta walk the rest of the movie with a hole through my hand. Wouldn't that be problematic in those days? Wouldn't he have a hand holder? You're peeing, I think. She, he like reaches the cage, um, and she takes his crucifix and stabs his hand, and then she escapes. Oh right, I do remember that actually. And apparently, crucifixes are sharp, my man. That Just one was not sharp. They specifically showed us a close-up of that <laughs> crucifix, and it was not sharp. So I don't understand how it's. She did some witchy stuff. Anyway, so. Well, we never did discuss how the witch does witchy stuff sometimes, but not other times. So I kind of mentioned that. She hit on Nick Cage sometimes, and she was like very nice. And then sometimes she was a witch. But I mentioned that she like did supernatural stuff from the beginning, so you never really like. Yeah. You were never questioned whether or not she was, at least like something other than human. Anyway, so that brings us to the end of that. Um, so, I guess just final thoughts on the film? Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts have a lot to do with the use of Nicolas Cage. And I'm going to segue in my recommendation, which is Mandy. Yeah. Just oh so I can talk gosh. about this. So, in Mandy, they use Nicolas Cage to his... The most uh, Nicolas like, This is how you use Nicolas Cage in a movie. You just... He's insane. He yells things that don't make sense. But in a way that is enjoyable, but he actually has a plot as a character. Like, it's a basic revenge story, but it's much better than this film. And this film, you have Nicolas Cage, but you just have him going, oh, yeah, it's blah, 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 the whole movie. And I'm like, dude, this is Nicolas Cage. Let him do something insane. Whoever is listening to this, your homework tonight is to go go home, or I guess go into your living room because everyone's home right now. <laughs> yeah. And find Mandy somewhere and watch it. Ironically, we've. We watched Season of the Witch on Netflix, right? Yeah. Ironically, Mandy was found at the bottom of a $5 bin, which is <laughs> yeah. the title of our show. Um, and I bought that ish immediately because I've wanted to see it for a long time. I mean, I'll take... Bro, give me... Let me drink up that Psycho Pink, yo. Psycho Pink. Oh, oh Basically, everything Season of the Witch does wrong, Mandy does right. Right. The amazing practical effects in Mandy are beautiful. Yeah, they and the choreography their guns of fighting... 
and it, ooh, it builds its own weird psychedelic world that's like a nightmare and then there's mad maxi demons and stuff Man. and you're like yes give this to me let's talk about like just for a second let's compare the plot there like the plot of Mandy is not very complicated no. and it doesn't really follow a logical pattern but it this is a this is a, an example of a movie that doesn't need that because like the motivation makes sense and that's all that needs to make sense I'm not gonna we're, no spoilers but like but man just Nick Cage's motivation for everything he's doing in that movie is very simple it's crystal clear it's very clear and so you follow it and you're in it the whole time and it's like, this is how Nicolas Cage in this movie would react to this right yeah it's... there's a scene in Mandy at the end like tor- I guess it's towards the middle there's a scene where he's in a bathroom. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Just watch the movie. That is the most Nicolas Cage scene that's ever. That's why he you was put genuinely Nicolas Cage great in, in it. Like, he's seriously. great, but he's himself. Yeah. Oh, man. That movie knew what it wanted to be. And Season of the Witch just didn't, man. Season of so. the Witch is just, hey, generic.com forward slash dollar general. <laughs> that's what I got to say about Season of the Witch. All right. So last week we rated Six Underground on a scale... That was like supernova. Yeah, because we agree that was the opposite of a star, which it's not. But I don't know. How did what did that? How did that work? Because I want to keep that up. Um, it's on a five star scale, and five being the worst, and half star being the best. But the stars are supernovas in this case. Yes. Yeah, oh, because the oh, because the movies are bad. That's right. Yes. So we're saying how bad the movie is. Yeah. Five being this movie is horrible, yeah. and one being this movie mm-hmm. is actually amazing. Um, man. I'm going to give this one, I'm trying to think, what did I get? I think I would say this is a three and a half supernovas. And here's, here's why. I think I liked this movie more than you did, okay. but it's not, I actually, I take it back. You hated I think it I just, dis- I think I hated it less than you did. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it just felt very benign to me. Well, hate's the wrong word because it was so generic. It wasn't yeah, really. I didn't have any feelings about it. It was just movie. so. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was so blah. I, I feel like you had more negative we feelings. We both hated Six Underground. Yeah, Six Underground made me angry. So like, I a, wanted to talk about that. It made, like, I had a feeling of That's why we, rage. we just were blabbing on last week. Just yeah, incoherently. Just could not stop talking about how terrible that movie is. This one was so benign that I just kind of, it's just very meh for me, you know? Like, in a, ver- in a bad way. Like, it's not a good movie in any way. I didn't really enjoy anything I was seeing. I liked seeing Ron Perlman's face <laughs> and Nick Cage's face, but... They didn't. Their faces didn't do anything. It was just that I liked seeing them. I liked seeing her royal majesty. Yeah, she's she, Claire Foy was in it. You weren't sure that Claire Foy was I in it until sure. like halfway. You're I was like, like is, is that, that Claire, Claire Foy? <laughs> and I looked it up, but it was. I was like, dang. It's like, can Claire Foy have greasy hair? Dude, I'm glad face? the casting directors of, of the Queen or the Crown, sorry, did not watch Man, Season of the Witch. The casting director is the only person who did their job well. In this That's movie. actually true. Seriously. Somehow he got Christopher Lee to yeah. lie in a bed with some bad makeup yeah. on. Like, props to that casting director, whoever you are. Um, yeah, the performances weren't the worst, but they were really generic and boring. Well, but the, perform- the performances aren't on the casting director. That is the director. I know. You know, the director clearly... I've seen Nick Cage act well, and I've seen Ron Perlman act well. It's not... It's definitely not that... And Yeah. It's not them in this And movie. their performances are, are most likely a reflection of what they had to work with, which was nothing. Right, yeah. So... Anyway, um, what were we saying? Oh, yeah. So that's why I'm saying three and a half. Because I would give this movie one and a half. That makes sense backwards, right? I'm giving it four. Because I just... There's no... There's nothing about it I liked. Except for it was 90 minutes. 
That was nice. Was short. Yeah. That didn't was feel really like nice. 90 minutes. Man. Compared to it six just, underground being It didn't two make hours. me angry with how bad it was, so that's why I wouldn't go all the way with five supernovas. Yeah. So I'll give it four supernovas because the costume design wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, three and a half supernovas. I like swords. Swords are cool. I like the I liked that they went with the Crusades. I wish they did more with that. That's true. I've never seen like a good Crusade movie, you know? Have you seen the Ridley Scott one? No. Kingdom of Heaven? Apparently it's bad. Oh. Maybe we'll watch it. It's got Orlando Bloom. All right, let's move on. Okay, so <laughs> no more Orlando Bloom. Um, so um, or Orlando or Bland, as I like to call. We him. we were last week. We also recommended good movies to watch. Yeah, your movie, I, I guess, is Mandy. I stole Mandy. You very but, no no no. It's okay. <laughs> Even though I bought it and really wanted to watch it, and was the one who I know, but I gave it a higher movie. score on Letterboxd. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, man, movie that I recommend. Um. What did we watch this last week? What? I guess it doesn't have to be a rewatch. It doesn't have to be, but I mean, let me let me just real quick pull up my letterbox. By the way, let's plug letterbox like we did last time. Yeah. Letterbox is awesome, guys. If you haven't used letterbox, and this is this is not like a sponsorship, but I mean, if it, it could if be, you, you want it to be dude, a sponsorship. Letterboxd. Letterbox, we're so hit us up, please. Oh, man, um, we love your service. Even if the uh, sponsorship was just like a good old Patreon membership. Yeah. For the both of us, man, I'm into that. Let's like let's get that going. You maybe know? maybe a t-shirt. Letterbox, I'm a huge fan. I have a letterbox t-shirt. I don't. I want one. He needs a letterbox t-shirt. So um, let me see. What did we watch this past week? Dude, I'll post a picture of myself in the letterbox t-shirt, and all 300 oh, of my man. Instagram followers will see it. Oh um oh, here I'll steal your movie uh, from under you. The Art of oh. Self Defense. Dude. We watched The Art of Self-Defense. It's on Hulu. It has uh, Jesse Eisenberg and... Imogen Poots. Imogen Poots. Imogen. And, um, man, that movie, I was not expecting to enjoy that movie as much as I did. And it wasn't, it wasn't like I had anything against it. I just didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And at the beginning, I was kind of like, what it is this? It seemed just like a weird, quirky indie movie, but then it transcended Few that label. movies are as smartly written as this movie. Like, brilliantly written. Oh, my goodness. Like, and talk about motivation. Like, this season of The Witch had nothing to say. This movie says many things, it and it says them very well. It has opinions about everything, Ugh. and it tells you those opinions without saying it to your face. And it never, it's, it's never aggressive about it. It's just like, hey... Here's the thing, and it wraps around so nicely at the end, and there's so much good iconography. The color is great. Oh my word! Oh man, the acting is amazing. Whoever the guy, there's the antagonist. I don't know. He's a guy I've never seen in anything, but he's amazing in that movie. Yes. And what for me is the greatest thing about that movie is it is hilarious. Yes, it is a comedy. It is so funny in a way, in its own style, that is never laughs at itself and most of the time it tells you a joke but it doesn't even tell you that it's telling you a joke most of the time in comedies these days they're like this is the joke and then everyone laughs but this movie like there's jokes everywhere but they're so subtle that you find yourself laughing and you're like am I supposed to be laughing but you are <sighs> so brilliant man that's my recommendation uh, so if you if you have Hulu or if you have um a Walmart nearby, go try and grab Mandy or uh, The Art of Self-Defense. But only go to Walmart if you're going to buy food. Don't go to Walmart just right. to buy Right, go there legally for sure. And <laughs> wear a mask if you have one, all that good stuff. Um, um, also, like, don't dig around in a $5 bin without gloves like I did to get Mandy. 
I don't I'm think not that. sick, but like that bins that was probably a poor choice. Yeah, but people are nobody gonna, really digs in the bins. Who's I gonna guess. get coronavirus and then go dig in a bin? Right, right. <laughs> anyway, so that leads us to one last thing. Oh yeah. What's next week's movie gonna be? <sighs> Man, so I'm stuck between these two movies, and I, I thought that maybe talking out season of the witch would help me. But choose the one that's least like season of the witch. Okay. Um, I think it'd be great if we jumped around a lot. And if from yeah, Six no, Underground to Season of the Witch was a, a different universe of films. Okay. So the next week's movie is going to be Sea of Trees. Oh. With Matthew McConaughey. Dude, isn't that a Gus Van Sant film? I believe it is, yes. Doesn't it have the that, guy yes. from getting, Inception and yep, uh-huh. Godzilla? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, what's his name? Um, Ken, Ken Watanabe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Naomi Watts is in it as well. Um, directed by Gus Van, Gus Van Sant, the yeah. director of Goodwill Hunting, my man. Yeah, um, yeah. So I saw this movie ages ago. Like I didn't see it. I I just saw it like advertised somewhere, and I was really hype about it. And yeah. then it just kind of got like panned, just bad reviews. <laughs> and I don't understand why because it sounds like a great story. The synopsis listed on Letterbox is as follows. A suicidal American befriends a Japanese man lost in a forest near Mount Fuji, and the two search for a way out. I love simple plots that are character-based. That's exactly what this sounds like. So I, I'm looking forward to being challenged as to why this movie is not good. And just to clarify, we said this before, we might like one of these movies. That's you know true. I mean? It might be a great movie, and we're like, everyone else's opinion is dumb. Listen to us. Half a star, half a, a, a supernova. Yeah. It could happen. Dude, what if there is no supernova? Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's just a star. What if it's a beautiful star? I'll rate it as a star rating if it's a good movie. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, listening to us talk. We uh, hope that this was more structurally sound than yeah. our complete like outrage at Six Underground. Yeah, just give us some feedback. Yeah, please leave something in the comments below. I'm going to be posting this on my letterbox. I'm sure Caleb will do as I well. Will a link. In my link. Um, right now we're having to use a weird service called like Podbean or something. <laughs> I don't um, know. It's not that sketchy. It's really not. It's just so the, it's really expensive to host podcasts, and we're just not making that much money right now so um or any or in my case. yeah in his case man um so do us a favor support us despite not recognizing the whole thing it's it's you know it would mean a lot to us we're gonna try and get onto just normal podcasts websites like itunes and spotify as soon as we can but it's expensive to host stuff apparently yeah. so i'm anthony brosh i'm caleb hersick thanks for listening thanks for listening on this week's episode of bottom of the bin bye see you next week